Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, welcome back. Uh, if you did not hear, hi. Uh, yes, on yesterday's <laughs> show, James gave us an update on the Patreon. He is planning to have all of the very exciting uh, perks and everything figured out, if not while we're recording Hopefully by the time you're listening, nice. not 100% sure, but uh, if you are a current Patreon subscriber, check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Radio for all of the of updates. Goodies. Yeah, so that's, uh, so that's moving forward. We are very appreciative of everybody who has contributed thus far, and if you are so inclined, we would love to have even more folks doing so as well. But all right, Ashley, let's get into the news, and as promised on yesterday's show, we are going to start with the Emmy Awards, and man, was it a good night for it theater was folks. a lot of fun for yeah, once. A lot of, I didn't watch it, but uh, theater folks, it was uh, very good. Uh, perhaps the biggest theater-related win as for uh, was for the second season of the television adaptation of the hit one-woman show, Fleabag. Not only did the series win the award for Best Comedy Series, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge won for Best Actress in a Comedy and for writing a comedy series. So she, I guess, a three-time Emmy winner in one night. Yay! Yay, which I've spoken at length about my love for Fleabag, both on stage and screen, so anybody yes. who knows me knows that I'm very happy about that. Also representing theater well was Billy Porter, who is now just an Oscar away from an EGOT, as he became the first out black man to win the award for Best Actor in a Drama Series for his work on Pose. He had a really lovely lovely acceptance speech, Ashley, which I will link to in the show notes. Theater was also well represented in the limited series or TV movie category as Tony nominee Michelle Williams won for playing multiple Tony Award winner Gwen Verdon in FX's Fosse Verdon. I'll get back to her acceptance speech in a minute here. Um, And as mentioned last night, Tony winner Tony Shalhoub has now won his fourth Emmy Award, this time for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Peter Dinklage and Ben Wishall also won for their work on Game of Thrones in a very English scandal, respectively. Cherry Jones and Jane Lynch won for guest actress in a in a drama and a comedy series, respectively. And actually, I feel like it's not technically theater, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race won for best reality competition. Yes, indeed. And Ru won for best reality host. Um, now, I mentioned a minute ago uh, Billy Porter's acceptance speech and Michelle Williams' acceptance speech, and hers mm-hmm. was... Um, Wonderful and poignant. Uh, Not only did she address the gender pay gap, especially for women of color in Hollywood, but also just the valuing the voices of women in the creative process. She thanked the Fosse Verdon team for doing that in her case um, and kind of held up Mm. uh, the show and her performance as an example of what can happen when you uh, appreciate women not only as talent and pieces of you know, you know, set decoration, but also as somebody who has something creative and insightful to add to the entire production process. Something that unfortunately still needs to be said. And I mean, you can look as far as Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge winning to know that. There was a tweet I saw earlier yesterday that was something along the lines of, don't worry, the only thing you have to do to get recognized if you're a woman is to create the best thing that's (laughs) ever been made. 
Yeah. It's kinda, I, kinda, I retweeted that at one kinda, point. Yeah. <laughs> kind of how I feel about Fleabag and the whole situation because it's definitely one of the best things that's ever been made. But yeah, between her speech and Patricia Arquette's speech calling for definitely playing for transgender rights, it was great to see people getting to use their platform to speak out on these larger issues, which usually happens during uh, award ceremonies and usually happens for women at award ceremonies. So great speeches, great wins for the Broadway community all around. Yeah, apparently the the worst thing about the entire ceremony was Thomas Lennon as the voiceover guy. I heard that. Yeah, Ooh. I didn't. I didn't watch the ceremony either. Uh, but I was, you know, I, at the end watched the acceptance speeches of those who yeah. I adore. So I thankfully missed all that. But yeah. I, heard, Even, I heard a lot of complaining about it. Yeah. Even Th- Thomas Lennon, who played the Felix in the most recent uh, sitcom adaptation of The Odd Couple, mm-hmm. he even said, like, in the middle of the show, man, this sucks. So <laughs> he knew it was bad. Well, but at, le- at least he's aware. Yeah, at least he's aware. So, hey, maybe next time get a host. Anyway, <sighs> all right. Next up, let's take a look at the Broadway grosses from last week. The main stem picked up three new shows over the previous week, leading to a $228,000 bump. In total, Broadway brought in 29320908 buckaroos. Keep in mind that last week was week two of Broadway week, so there were a lot of two-for-one tickets floating around, which probably had at least a somewhat significant impact on the grosses as a whole. The three new shows on the boards last week all showed very, very modestly, with Linda Vista doing $127,363 in six performances, The Lightning Thief doing $175,766 in five shows, and The Rose Tattoo doing $160,063 in three performances. For obvious multiple reasons, those were the three lowest grossing shows of the week, but keep in mind that Linda Vista and Rose Tattoo are both coming from subscription houses, second stage and roundabout, so their grosses are always going to be a little different because the cost of tickets is subsidized because they basically buy in bulk, so it's a little bit different when you get to those. But on the flippity flip, Hamilton came in at $2,973,580 to lead all shows, followed by two other shows north of $2 million, Moulin Rouge and To Kill a Mockingbird. They were followed by The Lion King, Ain't Too Proud. Still, That's that's a, a great success for that show that a lot of people didn't have a lot of expectations for. Seriously. But number five on that list. Always um, so surprising. Lion, yeah, so just fantastic. The Lion King, Ain't Too Proud, Town, Wicked, Aladdin, The Book of Mormon, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and Dear Evan Hansen were all in seven figures. Now, notice what shows you did not hear in there. Frozen, which... I mean, sunk down to just $800,000 or 63% of its gross potential. You also did not hear Mean Girls in the Millionaire's Club as it fell down to $714,663 or 60.77% of its gross potential. The biggest dipper by far was Waitress, which fell nearly three hundred k as Colleen Ballinger and Todrick Hall departed the show. Now, Ashley, looking at some of the shows in previews, Freestyle Love Supreme did 701,000, The Sound Inside did 413,000, The Great Society was at 404,000, even, actually, it was actually exactly $404,000, Slave Play was at 396,469, in the height of the storm, which opens tonight, 
yeah, tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at just under 300K. All of those shows did eight performances. Darren Brown and His Secret was at 324K for seven performances. So actually, there's a lot out there now. A lot of new things on yes. the boards right now. But things are starting to eat into each other's audience without yeah. the influx of tourists. So it'll be really interesting to see how things play out over the next month, month and a half before the holidays hit. Yeah, I think with so many shows either opening or starting previews right now, there's a bit of an overload that I don't think people know how to handle. I don't see Frozen really being in any danger because it's you know such a large property and you've got Frozen 2 coming yeah. out soon. Mean Girls, I'm interested to see what happens with, especially since it's at only nearly 61% of its potential. I think, And the tour just launched, too. And the tour just launched. That. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I'm not worried about Frozen necessarily at the St. James for another year or mm. two, especially, like you said, with Frozen 2 Electric Boogaloo coming out to theaters <laughs> later this year. Um, it is obviously one that... that fluctuates tremendously with kids yeah. um, being available to come to the show. And, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately uh, when we look at the grosses and compare Frozen to things like Aladdin and The Lion King. Sure. And I think I think the difference that, especially Aladdin, um, that, that, that Aladdin has the advantage over Frozen, because those are the last two ones, is the fact that Aladdin was able to build up its fandom for decades before it came to broadway now Mm. the lion king is such a unique animal it's also an institution now right that's what i'm saying it came to broadway just in a a similar time period that frozen did after the animated movie but it was such an artistic differentiation from the screen version that frozen is not that Mm. i wonder if frozen had gone with I mean, Alex Timbers was the original, uh, originally attached director. Right. If they would have gone with something like that, who he is much more in the vein of a Julie Taymor than sure. Michael Grandage, who ended up doing it. Um, I wonder if that would have caused a little bit more interest, not just from the kids. And I think the advantage that Aladdin has is, is that Aladdin still has tons of young fans, mm-hmm. but also has adult fans who have loved the property for decades since they were kids. And I don't think Frozen has that yet. So it really is just relying on families where aladdin and now the lion king because like you said it's an institution um has decades of goodwill built up and it kind of has the disadvantage that there unless shows are already established like the lion king like phantom these kind of shows specifically aren't going to run for decades so the fans who are fans of frozen now frozen won't likely be on broadway in another 10 years for them to have grown up with it yeah, and especially because I don't think, like I said, it has done enough in its design. Yeah, it's to really a direct itself. adaptation. You're right about that. I've got a lot of thoughts on first. I uh, yeah, I do too. <laughs> anyway, anyway, all right, let's move on. Some of some of them are very good, by the way. Some of my thoughts on Frozen are very good. Um, I feel like it was a missed opportunity, though. Anyway, okay, let's move on to some recommendations. I'm gonna I've got a bunch of them, so I'm gonna run through them really quickly. First up, just because. This is awesome. Uh, Gina Davis stopped by the Winter Garden Theater to pay a visit to the Broadway cast of Beetlejuice. Obviously, she 
starred in the original film uh, opposite Alec Baldwin, Winona Ryder, and um, the great Michael Keaton. So that was cool. They brought her up on stage at the curtain call and had some stuff backstage. So check that out. Then the aforementioned Darren Brown and his secret visited the folks over at the Richard Rogers Theater. And he had some fun with uh, current George Washington, Nicholas Christopher of Hamilton, showed him some up close magic. Very cool. I love this stuff. Very fun. Um, Nicholas Christopher and Darren Brown have the same kind of haircut that I do. So I appreciate it even more. Um, <laughs> and then special, uh, special props for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's I love the that. main reason for the recommendation. Yeah. The, I actually have a little more hair than they do, but I think that's because they shave it and I'm too lazy to do that <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Netflix uh, yesterday also released the official trailer for their filmed adaptation of American Sun, starring Carrie Washington, Stephen Pasquale, Jeremy Jordan, and Eugene Lee. The film will arrive on Netflix on November 1st. And finally, um, we have video from this Broadway back to school event that happened over the weekend. And it was an event honoring Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman and their dedication to educational theater. Um, and it brought out some of the biggest heavy hitters uh, in the musical theater world, including Cheetah Rivera, Patti Lapone, Laura Benanti hosted, John Cariani, Gavin Creel, um, Jay Harrison Gee, Evan Ruggiero, uh, and more. So we have highlights of that. Uh, in the show notes if you want to check that out but anytime you get cheetah patty and laura on a stage together i mean you know you know i'm here for that those little known names yeah i mean cheetah and patty you can just go on name alone no offense yeah. to our friend patty murin there's a lot sure. of laura's running around but benanti you could throw out benanti and that's up there as well in terms absolutely. of the name recognition so absolutely gotta love all of those but all right ashley let's close out the show with a few bits of news on monday producers announced that a new musical adaptation of the book between the lines by jody pico and her daughter samantha van leer is coming to new york the musical will be directed by jeff calhoun and choreographed by lauren lataro and will feature a book by timothy allen mcdonald and music by Elisa Samsel and Kate Anderson. The show will begin performances on April 21st of 2020 at Second Stage's Off-Broadway House, the Tony Kaiser Theater. But keep in mind, it will not be a Second Stage production as the great and the good Daryl Roth is producing and just renting out the venue. Between the Lines is described as, quote, an outsider in a new town and a new school, Delilah seeks comfort in the pages of her favorite book where she feels heard and understood. But as the lines between fantasy and reality begin to blur in both extraordinary and, ex- and astonishing ways, Delilah has to confront whether she alone has the power to rewrite her own story. Next up, yesterday, the Red Bull Theater announced the cast for their one-night-only all-star benefit concert performance of the Olivier Award-winning Shakespearean-inspired musical uh, Return to the Forbidden Planet. The show will feature Stephen Boyer, Mary Testa, Joe Lampert, Patrick Page, and Amy Spanger, with special appearances by F. Murray Abraham, Derek Baskin, Emily Burgle, Arnie Burton, Vienna Cox, Robert Cuccioli, Paige Davis, Chad Kimball, and more. Apparently, there will also be a beamed-in appearance by perhaps the most obnoxious human on the planet, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, I'm not a, not a fan. Not uh, a fan. I'm not particularly anyway. either. There's a lot of good voices in that between Patrick I mean, Page and F. Murray Abraham, especially. I mean, seriously, and you throw in Mary Testa and oh, Joe Lampert yes. and Amy Spanger. I'm a big That's Emily a Burgle fun. fan as well. Yeah. It's such a great cast. But the event will take place on Monday, October 21st at Symphony, at Symphony Space, and tickets are on sale. 
And finally, Broadway Cares Equity Fights Aids announced that this past Sunday's flea market and grand auction raised $870,167 for charity. Ashley, you went to the flea market. Other than it being hot and crowded, how was it? Did you find any treasures? It was exhausting. Um, I do love it, but I tend to spend about an hour, an hour and a half there tops. It was just so, so hot. But I had a good time. I mainly walked away with, you know, original cast recordings of Sondheim shows that I didn't have yet. I'm wait, hold on. There were some that you didn't have? I know. Can you believe? I actually don't didn't have Pacific Overtures, so I mm. snagged one of those. But then I grabbed a bunch of uh Lincoln Center Theater like their baseball softball league jerseys. So Oh fun. Very excited to, you know, cross the streams there and <laughs> have my two worlds there yeah you are a devout yankees fan yep so, yep yep uh that works out well so yeah you would have to pay me to go to that it, literally yeah. literally pay me well maybe not pay me like but if, it's, if it's i was sitting charity, at a charity matt <laughs> i totally understand i will gladly donate to broadway cares equity fights aids in whatever capacity i can and i love mm-hmm. tchotchkes and memorabilia i love those things if anyone's seen a picture of my office, that that's who I am. Mm-hmm. But I just, the heat and the crowds and the cosplay, it just ain't my thing. I'm way too old for that. It, you have to be very aggressive for it. And when it's 80 degrees, I just don't have the energy for it. No. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yep. Yep, yep. (laughs) All right. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KnowThisIsAshley. You can also find both of us as well as James, Peter, Michael, Jan, Jenna, and Natalie, everybody else part of the Broadway Radio family over at Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Head over there. James will be updating all of the perks uh, momentarily if he has not done so already by the time you hear this. Come along. Join us. We're going to have a lot of fun over there. Thanks for spending part of your Tuesday with us. We will be back to talk to you on Hump Day, everybody. 